thankful for Fabiano and the team. So let's give them a round of applause. They did a great job. So, yeah. He's been a huge help to me, I know. So appreciate him being able to be here and help out. And he's doing great work with the youth band as well. So thankful for him. Um, so my name is Nate, if you don't know me. Um, I'm the worship arts pastor here. Today I, I get the privilege of speaking again. And we're starting a new series starting today uh, called The Book of Joy. And it's really a study in the book of Philippians. Um, the funny thing is, though, today I'm not going to be in the book of Philippians. So I'm actually going to be in the book of Acts. But uh, Pastor Dan, Pastor Bill, Pastor Chris, the next couple weeks, next two months, really, they're going to go through the book of Philippians and take you through that um, as we, we do that study together. Um, but uh, in, in preparation for this, uh, reading, uh, reading the book of Philippians, uh, reading some commentaries, listening to some stuff online, there's one thing that, that I took from a pastor called Mark Driscoll, and, and I just loved how he kind of opened up with this. And he starts with this. We all know of the document, right, that our founding fathers drafted called the Declara Declaration of Independence, right? We all know of that, right? And there's a key, there's some key verbiage in that that I want want to start off with today and it's this we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life liberty and the pursuit of happiness okay so life we all have right life we're here we're breathing we're living right you guys all breathing okay good all right Liberty we also have. We have the freedom to choose, right? The freedom to come here this morning. We have the freedom to stay up late last night and watch the ball drop as many times as we wanted to, right? Because it's broadcast in every time zone, right? We could do that. We can go wherever we want tomorrow. We have, we have for the most part, we have the liberty we need with, with some minor constraints based on laws, right? That we've all agreed to, to some point or another. So we have liberty. But then there's happiness, particularly the pursuit of happiness. Is that something we all have, happiness? Or maybe, maybe we have moments of happiness, but are we always happy? Are we always fulfilled? Are we always just walking around with a big old smile on our face all the time? And just everybody knows that, hey, he's just the happy guy all the time. Or he's the happy girl. When we look at statistics for America, it would, it would be contrary to that. We would see that over the years... The depression rate has skyrocketed. It seems the more we get in our pursuit of happiness, the less happy we are. So today, as we talk about joy, we're going to look at Paul and Silas in the book of Acts. In chapter 16, we're going to look there. We're going to see at how they were able to sustain themselves and have joy amongst different scenarios. But when I think about things first, this pursuit of happiness, my, my first thought went to, you guys ever heard of the movie Hope Floats? Now, I've never seen it. I've never seen the movie. It's more of a chick flick, right? So I've never seen it. But, but the, the title kept sticking in my head, Hope Floats. And, and I was thinking about joy and like, you know, we're hopeful for things, we're, we're joyful for those things. And so what I, what I came up with is this picture of a balloon. And here's what happens. So it's Christmas time. We just got Christmas time. My kids were asking for all kinds of different things, a digital drum set, a hoverboard, a scooter. We wanted, we wanted an Xbox One, Dad. And I'm like, I don't even have an Xbox One. 
Why can you guys get it? But, 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 but there's those things. We're asking for everything, right? We're, we want things. We're found wanting. And so what I thought about this balloon is maybe it's not maybe a presence, but maybe it's a new car. Maybe it's a new motorcycle. Maybe it's a new purse. My wife loves purses. It's amazing how expensive some of those things can be. But there's all those things we want. And, and it's like this balloon. What happens is we want a new home. So we get a new home. <laughs> we put a little air in our balloon, right? We got a new home. There's a little bit of joy in our life, right? Maybe it's that new car. <sighs> Fills up that balloon just a little bit more. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe you've been longing for a new job and, and you've just been waiting for it and the, the great opportunity came along and there you go. A little bit more joy in your life, right? A little bit more happiness. But we keep blowing in this balloon. And what I came down to is we, we, we put our joy and our hope a lot of times in people, people that are around us, our family, our friends, our coworkers. The places that we reside, our homes, or maybe maybe you don't like the cold weather and you want to move to Arizona, right? Or you want to move to California or maybe the Caribbean islands. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Somewhere down there. But, but see, we, we want to be somewhere else, a place somewhere other than where we are because sometimes we don't like where we're at. Maybe it's just a new home. We, we want an open floor plan as opposed to a closed floor plan, right? We want something else. And then there's things, gadgets. I'm a big iPhone, Mac, Apple guy. You can ask anybody. I'm the Apple geek, right? Right. So we like our, our toys, our gadgets, our things. So we keep filling up our balloon with all these things to find joy. But do these things last? We keep having to fill up the balloon with more because eventually... They don't sustain us, do they? We always are found wanting more. More and more. <clears throat> but here's the problem. We know from our own experiences, right, that people let us down. Our own family will let us down. Our friends will let us down. Our coworkers will let us down. Our employers will let us down. Our homes or wherever we want to go, they'll let us down. Eventually they become boring or we have to make changes to them, or we have to find a new location to live in. They let us down. And things, there's always the new gadget, right? Well, this one doesn't take 10 megapixel pictures. It only takes eight. And I need 10 because I want a bigger print, right? Or, or, or that game is just a little bit old-fashioned, you know, and I want the new technology for the best game. Or that purse has just a few more pockets where I can store some other things in it, Right? But they never satisfy because there's always something else. Our, our world in America, they're great at helping us to want and want and want and want. So what I want us to do today is we're going to read in Acts chapter 16 there. And I'm actually going to read the whole thing. And then we're going to go back to each thing a little bit to cover it. But we're going to start at verse 9. And we're going to read to verse 40 there. And here we see Paul and Silas. They're getting ready to head to Macedonia. So let's begin reading there in verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over 
to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight to Samothrace, and the next day on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony in the leading city of that district in Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat Dan down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. Just a pause for a moment there. Isn't it amazing how the devil's own demons proclaim who Jesus was? They didn't have to say a word. There they are walking about the city and here the demon inside this girl is going about and saying these are God's chosen servants the most high God, and they can show you the way to be saved. I thought that was astounding. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrate and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar. By advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he threw his sword and was about to kill himself, drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and asked them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At the hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave, go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens and threw us into prison. And now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No, let them come themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates. And when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. 
They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and encouraged them. Then they left. So let's take a little bit of a history lesson first about Philippi and how it came to, came to be. So we've all heard of Alexander the Great, right? Great conqueror, Alexander the Great. Well, he had a father who helped establish Alexander's great army prior to him, and his name was Philip. And he was the one who conquered Philippi, named it after himself. And so that's where we see the name Philippi. Now, Rome eventually came in and took over, and there was a great battle there as well. But the name Philippi is what stuck here in, in the New Testament. And we see Paul and Silas being obedient. Now, Paul had tried to go into this Asia province, Europe, at this time. He had tried to go in there previously, but the Holy Spirit had always stopped him. And now I believe there was some excitement in Paul because he, was, he gets his dream and he's like, oh, finally, I get to go. Finally, I get to go. I get to go across these borders to tell these people about Jesus. And I think there's some, there was joy in, in Paul and Silas's heart because finally the door had been opened to them to go tell these people about Jesus. But then we begin to see here in verses 11 through 15, we begin to find out about this woman, Lydia. Now, where we see Lydia and these other women is by the river. Now, Paul and Silas had went out of the city to the river. They were looking for a synagogue based on different commentaries. They're not sure if there was a synagogue set up or not, but what was required in Jewish custom law those days, that'd be at least 10 married Jewish men to be able to establish a synagogue. We're not sure if there was one. If, if there wasn't one, then there was at least a place of prayer, which happened to always be by the river so that the Jewish people could sanctify themselves with the washing of the water. So that's why they were out by the river. So here we have a prayer place for them to meet, and that's where Paul and Silas meet Lydia. Now Lydia <clears throat> was an upper-class individual. So she sold purple, fine cloth, okay? Now when you think of purple, one of the things that comes to my mind was royalty, right? She probably, she... She, she sold a fine colored cloth. And, and what was really cool about the cloth is it came from a, 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 a clamshell or a seashell type of, a, uh, I always, I'm sorry, I forget that. But in the ocean, and it was really a tedious process of getting the oils out to dye the cloth in purple. So it was a very expensive cloth. And so she's an upper class individual who's able to come in. And she comes to know Christ through Paul and Silas. And we find out later that she kind of, we believe that she helped finance Paul's missions from there on out as well to help their team go out. And it was a great encounter that God set up, right? It was a divine <clears throat> moment for them to meet, Paul and Silas and, and Lydia, for them to meet. She was Europe's first convert, first person in Europe to say yes to Jesus. And, and all those other things about the cloth and the, and the wealth and helping finance Paul's ministry. Then in verses 16 through 36, we see Paul and Silas encounter the slave girl, right? Now, the slave girl, she's probably more of a lower class citizen. She had owners. And these owners profited from her possession, this demonic possession that was in her. I, I pointed that out when I was reading the scripture, but I found it very interesting. I always think it's funny as you read through the Bible, you see the devil or you see demons in the New Testament specifically always claiming who the Christians are. 
And I, 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 it's just funny because they recognize the power and the name of Jesus and, and who he is. And, and, and they want to try to squash that. But in doing that, they only make his name and his, and his, and his purpose greater. And we see that there. Now, so we have Lydia, upper class citizen. We have a slave girl. But the slave girl worked for wealthy men who used her foretelling, right, for, for financial profit, right? They wanted things. Now, here's Paul and Silas. They get annoyed with her. Paul turns around and says, in the name of Jesus, I cast you out. And now her powers are gone and the owners are upset because Paul's messed with her money, right? He's messed with her money. How many of you guys like your money touched? Anybody? Is anybody willing to fork over some money right now? Huh? We, we are very protective of our, of our money, aren't we? My, uh, my son Camden will we'll go to my dad's house, and my dad has these, one of these big old coin jars, you know? He just puts all his change in it and all stuff. And Cam will take it and he'll just dump it over and empty out as much as he can and he'll just fill his pockets with it. <clears throat> and my dad, my dad's fine with him doing that. But it's funny because he knows the value of money. It's amazing how early kids understand the value of money, don't they? They understand the value of what it can get them. We understand that value. And here Paul and Silas they're taking away a very key element to these guys' riches in one statement through Jesus, of course. But that led to them being stripped naked and beaten in the city court there, being flogged and then being thrown into the inner prison. They were, they were not just in the prison, they were in the center of the prison where all the other prisoners surrounded them and the guard was asked to keep a close watch on them. But what's great is we see them beaten, stripped naked, and yet we see them listening joy by praying and singing hymns to God in prison there. And then we hear we see this earthquake. Now, Philippi was prominent to earthquakes at, at that time, so they weren't, they weren't uncommon. But at the same time, how coincidental was it that Paul and Silas were in the prison at the same time a major earthquake happens? I don't believe it was coincidental at all. God ordained that to happen at that moment because what happens after that? A guard who's a middle-class citizen by somebody equal to myself, my family, was there. And because of that, he accepted Christ. He about took his own life. And in Roman, and in Roman culture that day, as, as, a, as a jailer, as a guard, when, citizen, when uh, prisoners were put in jail, if you let them go or if they escaped on you, then you suffered the same punishment that they were to be dealt. And so that's why he drew his sword and he was going to kill himself because he believed most of those prisoners were, were going to be executed. So he just figured quickly that I'm going to have to pay their price because I let them go. But here we see Paul and Silas stop him in the middle of it and say, no, don't do that. We're still here. We haven't left. We haven't gone anywhere. 
So we see their integrity. We also see the opportunity that Paul took to lead him and his family to Christ. So we have a lower class citizen, right? We have a slave. We have a middle class citizen. We have a Roman jailer. And then we have an upper class citizen, Lydia. So how do these people have anything to do with joy, right, or happiness? And we'll get to that in a minute. There's one other thing we have to look at. In verses 37 through 40, we see one final thing. Paul, before he gets released, proclaims to the jailer and, and, and to the officers, hey, we're Roman citizens. There's a question in my mind. Why didn't he say that earlier instead of getting beaten and flogged? Why didn't Paul say that earlier, right? And he had a reason for it. Now he's, able, now he's able to call out to these officers. He's willing to go through the punishment to save the church that was going to happen in Philippi. He was able to sacrifice his own body and his own time because by him stating that he was a Roman citizen, now he gets a quiet, as you see as you read there, he gets kind of a quiet apology from the magistrates as they walk him out of the city. But it also provides a protection for that church, for Lydia, and for the Roman jailer. And I like to think that the slave girl, finally free from that inner turmoil of possession, that maybe she even said yes to Jesus. We don't know that to be true, but there's a chance that she could, said yes to Jesus. You know, who knows? That there's a chance there. But we know that the, at least the jailer and Lydia, for sure, they said yes to Jesus. And we know that they continued the work after Paul and Silas left because Pastor Bill and Pastor Dan Peshers, they're going to go in more depth in the book of Philippians and see Paul's joy with them and the, and the lessons that he taught them from his letters in prison later on. So how does this apply to our life? Well, first, I think what we see in the first verses 9 and 10 there that we read, that there's joy in being obedient to God. I think Paul and Silas were already obedient, were already joyful. They, they wanted to go to, 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 <clears throat> to Philippi for a long time, or that region, somewhere around there. They wanted to go there, and God kept holding them back. But now the gates were open, they're like, yes, we got to go. But so much better of us to be in God's will and go than to just go and not be in God's will. They found joy in that. There's joy in that. There's joy in connecting with others. Paul found great joy in leading, in leading Lydia and her house to Christ and leading the jailer and his family to Christ. I mean, the opportunities they had in those moments. Who knows how many people came to know Christ through those encounters and those relationships. There's joy in suffering. Even though Paul and Silas had to endure those beatings and to be publicly shamed in front of the city there. In verse 25, we still see them praying and singing to God. They didn't let the momentary troubles at all keep them from the mission, keep them from the purpose of why they were there. And they still gave God praise for that. Love what Psalm 30, verse 5 says, For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. 
So what's this last balloon have anything to do with what we, how we find happiness? I think the balloon that has all the things that we keep trying to pour our life into, or we keep trying to fill our life with, right? Uh, new car, new homes, whatever it may be. It always lets us down or we always need more of it to make us happy, to make us joyful, right? There's never enough. There'll never be enough. We'll never be content with just those things if we continue to walk down that path. But if we fill our life with something other than just our own hot air, right? Then there's hope in that. We fill our life with Jesus. We have somebody to look to, right? He's not just somebody to pray to when we need something not just a religious relationship where we, we just come to church because we, we think it's the right thing to do. No, we look to Jesus because when we have a real relationship with Jesus, there's a joy that can't be explained that we have no matter what we encounter. I'm not saying that we don't cry and that we don't hurt and that we don't face trials and that we don't face suffering even but that we have somebody to help us through those moments, to give us joy. And the funny thing is, is when I look to Jesus, everything else below me fades away. When my life is full of him and I look to him, I'm able to see past those problems or see past those discontentments because there's a bigger picture, there's a bigger purpose instead of just that one thing that will just last a moment, right? He's always there, he's always faithful, he's always true. We may not always understand where he's taken us and why he's taken us there, but we can always look to him. He's guaranteed to guide us through it, whether it be just a small little light to lead our path, He's promised to take care of us. I know I struggle with discontentment. There's always something, right? Wish my kids would be a little better sometimes, right? Or wish my wife did this a certain way as opposed to this way. It'd be nice to have a different home, maybe with an open floor plan, right? Not a big sports car guy, so never really wanted one of those. But we always find ourselves wanting something. And a lot of times it's not Jesus. It's something to fill that void of joy that we don't have. In Nehemiah, 
in the book of Nehemiah as you're getting ready to rebuild the walls. Chapter 8, verse 10, the last part of it says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. There's not a thing that we can't face if we keep our eyes on Jesus. Paul and Silas proved that to us time and time again. You can be beaten, you can be shamed, you can be expelled. Maybe you got laid off. Maybe your house got burnt down. Maybe your car broke down. Maybe the promotion you wanted didn't come through. And yeah, those things might help and they might be nice. But if we don't have our joy in Jesus, those things are always going to let us down. Always. Always let us down. So what I did <coughs> is I bought a bunch of balloons. It's a little simple thing, right? But I wanna, what I want you to do is as you leave today, after we sing this song, I want you to take a balloon and I'll hand them out to you as you leave. And maybe it's something that you need to write down. Maybe it's some things that you've been wanting that you need to let go of. That maybe it keeps coming back up. And you could just put that balloon maybe, you know, at the kitchen sink or in the bathroom or at your desk. And you can put it there and write the words on it and say, hey, these are things that I want, but I can let them go. You know, blow up the balloon and let it go. Let it fly away. Use it as a, as a means to help you maybe physically really let that go in your mind. Let it go in your heart and say, what I really need is I need Jesus. I need him to fill that void because in him, I have that true joy. In him, I have all my needs met. This song that we're going to sing, it's called Blessed Be Your Name. And I think Job in the Old Testament is a great example of somebody who had it all. And then everything was taken away. And in the midst of that, where this song comes from, Job says this. He says, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. We need to be content with what we have. And I think as Pastor Bill and Dan and Chris, as they un unwrap Philippians, you'll see even more so that it goes beyond that to where we even let go and we begin to serve and as we serve others, and as we serve God, and as we let go of ourselves, we find more joy and more contentment in other people's happiness, in other people's joy, in other people's coming to know Christ, because that's what it's about. We get our eyes off ourselves on a regular basis. That's when Jesus shines through. And that's when our troubles seem so small. to live our lives for Jesus, not ourselves. Amen? Let's go and stand up together and let's sing this song out.